source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Alex and Ryan following Everton's victory in the FA Cup 2-0 over National League side Borum Wood. They advanced to the quarterfinals to face Crystal Palace in the next round. It was certainly not the most comfortable performance, but I'd say overall fairly dominant. We will get into all the details, all the happenings of the match, but before we do that, just a reminder to please subscribe to the show if you haven't already and leave us a rating or review on your podcast platform of choice. You can find all of our social media links at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod and join our Discord invite.gg slash ATP. With that said, let's move into the show and we'll do instant match reactions and we'll go to Ryan first. Got it done. That's it. Beautiful. Alex. Hey, comprehensive win to bring us to the quarterfinals. We had Massive possession with little to no threat posed by Bormwood, and uh, I was happy to see a manager willing to make some changes at halftime. Good stuff. We had a few score predictions correct from our Discord, which, as I just mentioned, you should definitely join. We had Shane, KBui, Kevin, and we had Caramel Crunch 10, all predicting the 2-0 win. Pretty conservative. We had some uh, big score lines, some close score lines, and... Three ended up getting it correct, but let's move to the match and start with the lineup. We'll go to Ryan for his typical in-depth, very thorough analysis of Borum Wood and their tactics. It's amazing on Discord that we have that many Caramel Crunches that Caramel Crunch 10 got, not seven, <laughs> not three. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to say that I put a lot of effort into analyzing Borum Wood's team. Uh, they tend to play 3-4-1-2, three, three in the back for sure. Uh, they're th- only 13th in goals scored in the National League, but they're first in goals against by quite a bit, actually. I think they've only given up 17. The next is 22, so that's like .6 goals per 90. That's pretty darn good, and, and I think we saw a little bit of that tonight. So you can bet they're going to be pretty organized. Um, they're combative. You know, we saw that a little bit in earlier FA Cup matches. But, I mean, if we're conceding a goal to them, I think you'd probably be a little disappointed. Um I think the Everton lineup was interesting. I, I think it had a lot of us kind of wondering how all the pieces would put together, but we were pretty limited with our midfield. So I, I don't know. I mean, Alex, are you surprised at any of this? No, you know, there was a lot of hoopla, but I think everyone was excited to see Patterson came on for his debut. We'll get into that in a little bit, but that was really exciting. It was confusing at the beginning because it looked very clearly like a 3-4-3 but we had three fullbacks on the pitch John Joe Kenny and Mikalinko also coming back in as the captain by the way that was a nice show from uh, Frank and the club John Joe Kenny ended up playing at right center back in the back three which was pretty effective for the first half at least um, it was unfortunate as you said Ryan though that we couldn't rest our our starting central midfielders with Ducore and Alon though it seems like we didn't have the personnel for it and then obviously Deli Ali Van de Beek and El Ghazi all missed because they were uh, cup-tied. And I don't think it was crazy to play wingbacks. I, I get what Frank was kind of saying. He's like, look, if they're going to pack the middle, we can stretch them out a little bit, try and attack around the outside. And you saw you saw some opportunities there. Um, so if we kind of look at the average shape, uh, we, we were clustered a little bit around the ball, kind of in, in the middle, but most of that I think was farther back. I, I, I think what we saw tactically, the issues in the first half were – 
even when we had some opportunities in the wings and it was it was certainly more attacking i think down our right side predominantly i think that's where more of the opportunities were we just didn't have the targets in the middle i think gordon and townsend struggled a little bit in terms of if you're going to play rondon like that up top in essence it was called a 343 Ronan was kind of isolated at times, but the opposite winger has to cut in the inside to fill in that space. And I, and we just didn't, didn't do very well finding them. So I, I think if we look at kind of the numbers, 40% of our attack was down the right side. That sounds about right. Don't you guys think? I mean, I, I, I think Borum Woods number looks ridiculous because it's like 53% down the left side, but they didn't really attack at all. So it's kind of, right. right. So it's kind of hard to say, but I, I mean, what did you guys think in terms of the first half attack? And we'll get through the, through the uh, timeline a little bit. Um, I, I don't think it was particularly effective, but a couple times Patterson saw a couple glimpses of trying to get around the corner. Either the crosses were off. It certainly wasn't fluid in the first half, at least. No, and you knew that Boreham Wood would come in and try to make things incredibly difficult going to an away. I was reading an article about them. They, their average attendance is under 1,000, so they're coming to a packed Goodison Park. Uh, they're going to try to silence the crowd, take the crowd out of it as much as possible, and I think they more more or less did that pretty effectively. Um, but as you said, Ryan, you know we were trying to exploit the wide areas. Anthony Gordon, uh, Andrus Townsend just crosses that were nowhere near anyone. Overhit, underhit, hit over the bar. We had crosses that went straight to their keeper. Like all sorts of stuff that went wrong went wrong. Um, and it was really kind of a, a disjointed performance. And as you said, you know they were trying to force the ball wide. And, and even when we forced it wide, we weren't able to really win a lot of one-on-one -on -one battles to make things easy for us in terms of getting the ball into the box. You think we were maybe a little surprised by their higher line? Because uh, I don't remember them playing quite that high, but they were playing a relatively high line and kind of really compressing that space for us to have possession. Now, once we broke uh, their pressure, they dropped back a little bit deeper. But but it took us a little time kind of to get them pushed back and get control of the game at times. So uh, there was no real transition opportunities early, I don't think. Uh, so if we kind of look in the timeline of how it went... Um, you know, it, it was a lot of the same, like you said, a lot of kind of overhead crosses, lacking quality in the middle third. Uh, DeCorey was a little sloppy with the ball, but both him and Alon, I thought, had decent control. I think the addition of having John Joe in the back almost as the right center half definitely gave us command of the ball. I mean, the possession numbers were pretty good. There were a couple moments in the first half, but I, I never did I think we were especially threatening. I don't know, Alex, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, 100%. And as you mentioned, the higher line, we saw numerous times Michael Keane specifically was trying to make that long pass, that long switch, and it wasn't coming off for him in the first half, but that kind of shows you where his head was at. I did want to note also, though, in the first half, there were signs. I mean, my biggest takeaway from the first half was um, Rondon's kind of link-up play. He had a couple nice touches, and I thought that his positioning was pretty good as well. I mean, he was definitely running off the, the, the shoulder of the defender and trying to find the space. But again, you know, midfielders... Or wingers, they weren't able to find the ball in behind for him either in the first half. He had a couple decent shots too, just nothing quite came off. He almost scored in what, like the 13th, but he was slightly off sides, and he probably was. And Bournemouth deserves a lot of credit. Their back line was pretty in sync, I think. Yeah, they do. They, I, I think you just have to tip, tip the cap to them. I mean, we didn't really uh, cover ourselves in glory by any stretch. It was really frustrating because I think every fan hopes that we come in and kind of barrel them over in the first half and then we can play the kids the second half and sort of cruise to victory but that was of course never what Bournemouth were going to try to let us do and 
they were, I think, maybe you know the more effective side at least at executing their game plan. I don't think they they were hoping you know they didn't they didn't create anything. They had no shots in the first half. We had six, and it was eighty twenty possession. But you look at the disparity in league positions for both both squads, and like I think they went into halftime and were probably pretty thrilled with what they'd been able to do. That at yeah, that they had a couple kind of half chances, things that never quite developed into something. But you know, I, I'm sure they were looking for a one and ill smash and grab. I mean, really, right. I mean the pass success is ridiculous. Eighty eight percent in the first half for us, forty three for them. Uh, but look, uh, you know, we dominated, but we really did. I mean, six shots. That's not that great. You know, I mean, there weren't as many chances. And I think you, as, you, as you were expecting, one thing I, I was a little disappointed about was it's one thing to go after him and be real aggressive. I thought our counter pressing was poor. I thought when we lost the ball, we had some chances maybe to really jump right back on them and maybe create some turnovers and and some scoring chances that way. And, and we didn't. And I think as a result, it took us longer to then take the ball, win it in the back when they'd hoof it, and then get ourselves in position to to attack, really. And I think that's why you saw just a lower volume. So at halftime, big change was made. Uh, Patterson went off. Richarlison went on. The shape changed a little bit. We reverted back to a back four. Now you can debate whether it was a 4-4-2 or whether it was kind of a 4-2-3-1 with Richarlison ducking around in the inside or not. I um, think that's up for debate, but uh, we got a good comment from Hugh at Seize the Beans. <laughs> I love that. 3-4-3 uh, <laughs> three, three didn't quite work with neither fullback really looking to bomb on. AT on the inside also wasn't helping Patterson. Halftime switch made all the difference, and I totally agree with this. So what do we think was wrong with the shape? Mikalinko actually showed some danger getting forward, but he's never going to be this consistent, like, just run at you bomb guy like Patterson theoretically could be. But I got I think Hugh makes a really good point. Townsend very rarely has been in a side that kind of dominates possession. So even though you look at his skill set and you think maybe he could be effective in the half space, kind of cutting inside and scoring or crossing, I don't think he's used to having that kind of sidecar next to him. So there is spacing issues, I think, over there. I think Townsend's used to playing kind of behind the ball more and having that whole right wide channel for him to exploit, whether going around to the wide space. I thought he looked better in the second half, but he looked confused, and it was almost redundant to have them both out there. So I thought the change in shape was very smart. Um, that way John Joe could kind of be a little more measured and get there when he needed. And I agree. It did make all the difference in the world. I, at least that was my take. So what did you guys think about Patterson's first half performance in general though? So, I mean, he was super unlucky to be pulled at half. You can kind of argue I, who else would be pulled, right? John Joe Kenny's been performing pretty well when he's been out. Mika Linko, obviously probably not the right guy to, to pull on this occasion either. So uh, while unlucky, I thought he had a pretty good start to his uh, Everton career. I mean, he was bombing forward. It was nice to see his pace, that's for sure. Yeah, he was definitely, he's clearly, you know, not ready for the big show. But it was great to see him get a chance. Totally unlucky to be yanked at halftime. Just, a, a, I think, a purely tactical change. Um, I don't think he did anything you know, incredibly well that made me be like, okay, this kid needs to be starting for us every week in the Premier League. But he also didn't, you know, wasn't a wasn't a disaster. So I think, you know, that's that's all you can really ask for him to kind of find his footing within this team. Um as a true right back, probably not the fit, but as a wing back, you know, you saw some of that pace, some of that explosiveness, had a couple decent crosses. So hopefully it's just the start of much more to come from him. But yeah, I don't think it was uh I don't think he'll be super thrilled with how I think he you know, made his debut a first impression, not Everton fans. 
It's just hard because you look at the fee and you're thinking there are so many right backs that went for under that that just jumped right into the first team. That's not his fault. It's not his fault. Right. But the bottom line is this team required someone that could play right away at right back. And the fact that they opted to go for him even after uh, after a clear overpay, and it sounded like we were overpaying in the summer to begin with, is a mistake. And I said it at the time. We said it on the pod. And, and I still maintain that. That doesn't mean he's going to be bad, though. It doesn't mean there's not some... Like, if he doesn't come in and dominate this match, it does not mean anything for his future. At all. At all. Um, I'm happy he was in there. You know, yeah, me saw some of the physical attributes, but it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the summer because if he's not ready to play, you know, he's a young talent, but what do you do? And I'm just tired of people saying, well, he's, he's an international for Scotland, so he must be able to play in the Premier League. That is the, the silliest argument you could possibly make. It's, it's like, it doesn't matter how good the international side is, and all teams are different. Like, the Chilean right back, who's like 31 and not particularly good, they're about the same world ranking, which world rankings, whatever. Does that mean, it's like saying Anthony Robinson should start at left back for us because he starts for the U.S.? Like, I'm sorry, I just don't follow that logic whatsoever. He's young. He's 20. Cut him a break. And he also just turned 20 in October. Right. Um, so, eh. either way, though, tactics dictated that switch. I, sure. I think it had less to do with his performance. Um, and it would have been nice to keep him out there. But, I, you know, and John Joe played an incredible match. So He was so um, He really was good. So, I, I think... The shape was right, and if you're going to revert to the back four, John Joe's the right guy to put in there. And look, when you have the ball that much, you're not going to be that exhausted from that match. I mean, I don't think anyone probably looked and said they're going to be beat for Spurs, even though I think still, still maintain the Spurs match was the priority. I don't think we sacrificed too much of that tonight. Gordon would maybe be the only one that you said might be tired, but he's got young legs, so. So he'll bounce back. And so that was obviously the halftime switch. We get into the second half. Obviously, Everton looking to push on seal the victory, uh, and started off, I think, much more brightly, immediately getting a couple good chances. We had the Mikalenko cross in for Rondon, which was really nicely placed right on the ground, basically on the goal line that was just missed. Uh, a couple other decent buildups. Uh, John Joe Kenny had a great cross to Rondon again, who heads it over, and then there was the Mikalenko incident where he was bundled into the boards, and then in the 56th minute, we at long last get the long-awaited goal. Solomon Rondon takes his chance. It was a really nice give-and-go from John Joe Kenny to Alon. Back to John Joe. Cross again on the floor. Rondon making the run near post and buries it really neatly uh, near post. And Everton up 1-0. And at that point, it really felt like that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for Boromwood. And they would really never find their way uh, into back into the match in any way. Yeah, that was that was kind of a, a a funny moment, right? Because I think everyone was disappointed to see Patterson come off, and then John Joe Kenny is the one to assist the goal uh, to Rondon, which kind of felt, honestly, in, through the first half, as I said, it felt like if anyone was going to score in, in this match for Everton, it was going to be Rondon to that point. Yeah, I mean, he was the he was the target guy, you know. Eventually, it was good to see him finally break through, though. Um, you know, I'm sure Rafael Benitez in the back was saying, "I knew it. I told you. I told you. Look at him, <laughs> trick hero." Anyway, yeah, I, it, you thought at least after the first half. He, I mean, he had that one header from John Joe that I don't know how he didn't bury. That oh, you started asking yourself, is he never going to score? <laughs> is he? Is it going to be one of those days? So I'm, I'm glad that he he finally broke through. And look, you can never question that guy's effort, right? I mean, he definitely puts in puts in the effort at a minimum. I, I know you guys are probably the same way as I was. Once that went in, I'm thinking, come on, just score the second ones, get it over with. I mean, I figured one would be enough against these guys, considering yeah. they never posed a threat, but you never know how this sport works sometimes. You know what I mean? A bad bounce could go against you, and there you go. 
and there were a couple of moments where we, you know, did our best to try to gift them maybe a, a sniff at the goal, but they just were completely unable to like link anything up whatsoever in the final third. Um, but unfortunately, shortly after the Rondon goal, we had a play where Mikolenko gets a cross in for Michael Keane, who heads it over. And then Mikolenko goes down and comes off in favor of Seamus Coleman. Um, unfortunate, again, he just gets back into the side and goes down hurt. Our only first team left back. So we'll have to just see what comes of that. But Coleman comes on, make another forced tactical change. But it really didn't. I, I didn't feel like it make a, made a whole lot of difference. I think we were still commanding from that point forward. No, it was it was just unfortunate to see Patterson and Mikalinko come off because I feel like they both had the largest spotlight on them from fans in general, like moving into the match, obviously for different reasons. But it was also kind of funny to see at that point in time, John Joe Kenny went to his third position of the match at that point to left back. Yeah, the man who can just seemingly do it all all of a sudden. He's our, our uh, you know, utility player. It's pretty impressive to see. And he and played a we, great match. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, how, you play that many different positions, and you're literally excellent all over the pitch. Although, he did not get away with the Cruyff turn this time. Ah, oh, he that's tried true. his best, though. Um, and then just to move on, kind of cover the rest of the timeline, we had Anthony Gordon get a decent shot off. Again, we'll talk about it, but definitely not his night. 71st minute, Richarlison gets that goal off of the deflection. Bit of a uh, bid for an Oscar with the acting performance, grabbing his face after the goal. Turns out it was a handball. Um, VAR comes into play. Obviously, that was a talking point for Boreham Wood leading up to the match because not something that they're accustomed to, but saves their skins there. Uh, was obviously not enough, but that's just the rule, right? It hits his face, comes down, hits his hand, goes directly into the net, doing his best to imitate Diego Maradona, hand of God type goal, um, but ruled out rightly so, unfortunately. Yeah, but I, maybe some people are confused about the rule, but even an accidental handball, you can't score directly from the hand. Now, if he taps it in right there at the end, which I don't think he could quite get to it, that might actually change it because it's body to hand. But, you know, who knows these days? I I will say this. I, we never say this. I thought the referee did a good job. What? I'm not saying it was the, hard, I'm not saying it was the hardest match to officiate, but he did a good job. I mean, really. I mean, they came in with some hard tackles at times, too, which was not cool. Charles got wiped out at one point. That was but bad on Richie, went, yeah. That was terrible. He went back, gave him the yellow card. I mean, he was in command of the match, and, and maybe it wasn't the toughest match to officiate. But um, I just figure, since we've been trashing them right and left so often, the one time it seems to be a decently officiated match, it's worth noting. How about that, huh? Or equal opportunity praisers and detractors here. And, you know, since Richarlison came on as we're talking about it, after the hilarious deflection, he had another shot from the 18, which was headed towards the bottom corner, but he forced a good save. It was definitely of note, huge difference once Richarlison came on, tell that he was the guy that the team was looking for uh, to drive us forward. Do you think that was him, though, Alex, or do you think it was kind of the change in shape of him kind of filling in that middle area, or, or both? What do you think? I think it's both. I think it's both, absolutely. 100% due uh, partially to the change in shape and how the players adapted to that. But I also think that Richarlison, with his own skill, I, f I feel like he found some good positions uh, on the left-hand side. He was definitely trying to get in behind uh, towards the back post. But then, obviously, in the 83rd minute, our man Salomon Rondon scores to get a brace. Yeah, it was a, it was a nice finish. Top of the head, smashes it in, and the keeper actually almost digs it out. And again, the goal line, the, technolog the technological advances in football 
come to our aid again, um, or I guess in our favor this time, and rule it a goal. Townsend with the assist, one of his only, I think, more positive contributions on the night. And then the floodgates opened, and the youth started to pour into the match. We get Reese Welsh and Isaac Price in in the 89th minute. What did you think of those guys? came on. Oh, amazing. They're clearly the future. Reese Welch had a header. He won a header. He is tall. He is tall. <laughs> and we boy. know in the Discord it, that matters, apparently. We also we also had Lewis Dobbin come in for a bit, too. Yep. Exactly. He looked so. jumpy. He looked bouncy, right? I mean, you know, it's funny. His legs kind of came out from under him a couple times. But you yeah. can see he's got a little, like, of electric kind of to him. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how they manage him going forward. But you can't argue it's production PL2. Kevin Thilwell, very good at developing pathways. I don't know if it was a triple or quadruple step over that he tried, but I just love the ambition there. I just really love it. Um, and, and just quickly before we you know, wrap on the timeline, I mean, in terms of Richarlison coming on, just imagine being those Boreham Wood players and you've got like, this Brazilian international coming on. Like, here. really? Good really? God. We are <laughs> yeah. so, oh so much in trouble. Well, the one guy but... didn't care because he came in with about the first five minutes and absolutely housed him. I mean, that was a crazy tackle. It's kind of like, hey, hey, guess what I'm going to tell my buddies I'm going to do? I'm going to yeah. wipe out Richarlison. <laughs> hey, and you come back. You know he's coming back to the pub after that. Be like, so yeah, we lost. But, hey, I totally took out Richarlison. Got a yellow <laughs> for that one, you know? My God, imagine if he gets hurt there. I mean, oh, it would have just been so – I was pretty incensed. When I, I was pretty mellow watching this match. When that happened, I was like, whoa, what is going on? Why? And, I mean, there is something to be said about the fact that this match for Boromwood is, like, the type of thing that these guys will be telling their grandkids about. Like, this is the biggest match in the club's history, in these player, most of these players' lives, all of these players' lives. And they're, you know, that – they were clearly up for it. And, like, despite their league position, I thought they gave a pretty good account of themselves. They were obviously always unlikely to score, but I thought they were defensively compact. They looked well-coached and well-drilled. It was just the obviously gigantic talent disparity – fitness disparity, all that sort of stuff. They were it was always gonna be impossible to overcome, but it did feel a little bit like someone said it in the Discord. I wish I could credit them, but like everyone in the world except Everton fans is hoping that Forum Wood wins this. Yeah, I mean the cool part is that it just goes to show you there's some good players in lower league football. You know, I mean they had some good moments. They didn't embarrass themselves. And I I, I think I'm looking for the next time I go over, I don't know about you guys, I really want to go check out some lower league stuff. It just looks fun and exciting and kind of you know, and some people are still playing their way up the pyramid. You can do that. I mean, I, I just, the FA Cup, I think, is just amazing. Despite what you all keep accusing me of, not caring about these matches. Stop it. I know what you're doing. I could see James about to go to the mic. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say it. Ryan said when we were off air, he said, I did not. Of, he said the magic of the FA Cup is fake and it doesn't exist. <laughs> I did I not. <laughs> oh, my. He said God. it I had too much guys. spirit. I hate you guys. Spirit. He said it's yeah, fake. No, it's fake. It's you know, he said. Did. We're just joking. I will tell you a true story, though, uh, of, uh, off the air about the Cinderella-loving Dick Vitale. Ooh. But that's another story. Yeah, Love I'll give you that TV. one. Later. Different sport. Yeah, well, Love some Dick or I can do it on the air if you want. Uh, he doesn't believe in Cinderella stories whatsoever. He literally t- Never mind. I'm not going to tell this story now, but he does it all. He says if you just pick, like, the top four teams every year, he's like, why do we waste our time with all these first rounds and all this other stuff? I'm not kidding. Anyway, you can tell, moving You can on, tell it in the Discord, and we can get people into the I, Discord to come. I will do story. that. I thought it was great to get the kids in the match, though, too. I mean, that's got to be an awesome experience for them to finally get into a match in front of the fans. 
at that point, you know, is stress-free, uh, but it's a good experience to get on there. I mean, that's got to, you still got to be freaked out, you know, about that type of thing. And, and uh, it's just got to feel good to get, get in there as well. So player performances in general, obviously we can eventually get to a man of the match uh, after the, the comments, but I thought it was interesting. Alex, I think you're the one that dropped in here. Three players with over a hundred touches. I mean, that probably hasn't happened in a long time, right? Or maybe that was James. Sorry. I want to give credit where credit is due. It's okay. I mean, I just, you know, pulled the stat, but it, I can't even imagine when was the last time it would have had that. Three players with over 100 touches? I mean, we've had teams do that to us. I remember City distinctly having like four or five players with over 100 touches. But we're t- you were, especially earlier this season, we were having our leading a player with the most touches in like the 40s and 50s. So, But at least yeah. it wasn't the center halves just passing it back and forth. That was the exactly. thing. I mean, you, you did see some. You know, we got the ball. Yes, it took some time to get control over, but we were genuinely looking forward, even if it wasn't there. And uh, that, that I think, was was encouraging, um, even if we lack some quality in the final third. There were some really good performances, even out of those three. Kenny Alon and DeCorey. I mean, we have no comments on Alon here, but I thought he was pretty good. But both John Joe Kenny and DeCorey were outstanding. Yeah, let's hop into some John Joe Kenny stats. So he had five key passes and an assist, which is crazy. Yeah. Mind you, again, he was playing in three different spots in this game. First half at center back, right? Right center back. Um, led the team in tackles with three. Four aerials won, uh, six and nine from long passes, right? Never dispossessed and no bad touches. So it was a pretty comprehensive performance from John Joe Kenny, and it's been exciting to see him, you know, kind of his resurgence the last couple weeks. He seems to be getting better and better every game, to be honest. And I think recently he talked about how Frank Lampard's confidence in him has done him wonders this season. Are you suggesting we should re-sign him? No comment. Get the man a contract. I will say this. I will say this, though. In this style of play, I, I probably wouldn't. But you got to admit, I mean, he's showing the ability to play some different positions. That would be interesting. It would be interesting. If I'm him, I'm, I probably want to you know, start again somewhere else. But you see performances like that tonight. But in some of the other matches this year with his versatility, I mean, I you know, it's such a shame that he didn't do well at Celtic, truly. Yeah. Because he was okay at Schalke. You know, he wasn't ama- as amazing maybe as some other people found him to be. Um, that's the real anomaly. He's been okay for us. I mean, do I think he's ever going to be an outstanding Premier League player? No. But, geez, you'd think you can hang in the championship. And, I mean, he's not that old. I don't know. It's 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 interesting. You know, uh, this would be one that you'd think about extending for a year and maybe selling him in the summer if he'd be willing to do that. Um, I don't know. Probably a conversation for another day. But, boy, it was a good performance today. Great performance. And, you know, you talk about the championship. We may find ourselves down there next season. You know, God forbid. That's not funny. That's not fun. It's not. I know. Take it back. But I, I'll take it back. We will definitely still be in the Premier League. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's very small sample size. He has been really good. I don't know how long it's sustainable, and I definitely don't think he can make a career of being a left back. But it's good to see him perform well under the circumstances. Another player who was excellent for us, Decore. Unsurprisingly, this is the type of – team where you think he's going to kind of just take their lunch money and he more or less did he ended with four key passes 110 touches and was uh you know as disruptive as ever if not more so he was just too much for them at times physically i mean there were a couple times where you know they were trying to grab him do everything they could to kind of prevent him from advancing the ball but it just it just really didn't matter i mean he had three dribbles today and looked like he could have had a lot more I was a little sloppy, lost the ball a couple times, but he was constantly looking to be aggressive in the final third, and we really needed that. And and I think Frank probably went with two in midfield, just lack of numbers. 
Um, and, you know, hopefully he won't be exhausted for the Spurs match, but knowing him, he probably probably won't be. Uh, again, we mentioned Alon. How do we think Rondon played, though? Because there were times where, had he not scored, I mean, before he scored, I think some were saying kind of wasteful, maybe. Um, but it's hard to ignore him. you got to look at the game as a body of work. And, I mean, the guy had five shots, four shots on goal. He was a handful. He always works really hard. I mean, I'm glad he scored twice. The second one was off an uh, Andrus Townsend cross again. Rafael Benitez told us, guys. I mean, how could we doubt him? Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I think he I think he ended up doing doing the job. I guess I'll call it that way. What do you guys think? He at least, at least looked more fit. And again, I, I, I saw some of what, Ryan, you've mentioned before. Good, nice little clean touches to his teammates. You can tell he's got pretty smart ideas in terms of being able to bring everyone else into play, so... Yeah, brimming with confidence today. You, you see multiple backheel flicks from Solomon Rondon. Uh, you know that he's uh, feeling himself, put it that way. On the other hand, we did have a couple of players who I think we are all on the same page were incredibly disappointing, and unfortunately it's both of our wide players in Andros Townsend, firstly, who, I mean, from the first half to the last really struggled. He, of course, gets the assist, but six bad touches, a dispossession, seven turnovers, the assist, as mentioned, one for six in crosses. And I think that the theme with both of Andrews Townsend and the next player, Anthony Gordon, was they just both looked so one-dimensional in what they were trying to do. You had Andrews Townsend trying to do the cutback for the cross, and then you had Anthony Gordon trying to do the cut inside for the like long shot, uh, for the most part. Obviously, I think AG looked a little more dynamic, but... Yeah, Townsend just can't play in this type of system. I don't care who he's playing against in this heavy possession-based... Like, for him to play with a guy in his right, it just doesn't make sense. He's got to have one singular orientation. His first touch isn't good. His ball control isn't great. He's good in the open field. He's great on the counter. He's tough and combative. If you give him a step or two, he can bury a shot. He can normally serve a ball. He couldn't do. He couldn't serve a ball today, but frankly, he wasn't serving a ball from a wide area. He can even serve at his right a little bit too. But he's used to being on that touch line where kind of the whole pitch opens up for him. I, I thought he might struggle in this situation. It was obvious. I just felt bad for Patterson as well because it's just a hard debut there. And, and I think everyone would agree. Someone like I, I think Sean Khan was on the Discord saying Awobi would be much better in that from the way he plays. And he's probably right. But I also made the point, I'm like, poor Alex Iwobi has been busting his tail now two games in a row. He's got to be exhausted. So I think it was good that him and several others did get a rest. Um, and yeah, I, I think that was it. You know, I just don't think Townsend's going to be successful in that type of setup. But look, we got away with him playing lots of minutes tonight. He's normally not going to feature, I think, too much for Frank going forward. So I'm glad he got in. I'm glad he got his assist. Now, Anthony Gordon's another story. He was constantly getting himself in dangerous positions. Um, I don't think... I like him on the left because I think he's a goal threat, and we've seen him strike a ball so purely so well. A couple times he did that. I thought the decision-making was off. Other times, especially when he was forced to go to his left, and, and they were stacking the middle, so he was forced to kind of go around the outside at times. He was not effective. I mean, the numbers weren't good. I mean, 0-3 in crosses, four bad touches, one dispossession. Granted, seven turnovers by Townsend took the cake on that one, but seriously. Um, eight shots. Gordon had eight shots today. Four on goal. Did any of them look like they had a chance of going in? I don't recall that they did. Um, he just had a ton of chances tonight, and they didn't pull off. But again, he's a young kid, so I, I don't. You know, I, I think the last person I'm going to critique for his 
end product in in the final third is him. And, and we've seen he has the skill and technique to pull it off. So I, I I don't know. I mean, maybe he doesn't start against Spurs, too. He might be out of gas. It'll be very interesting to see how we line up against them. In summary, I mean, <clears throat> Everton had a hard time breaking him down, especially in the first half. But it was pretty clear Borumwood was essentially never a threat at all. I think they had about .03 XG or so. Finally, in, in, in the final third, I think Everton started to come alive. But overall, gents, uh, what would you say your summary was? As you said, Alex, look, we, we grew into the game. We had six shots in the first half. We ended with 23, so that's 17 in the second half. Huge improvement, 16 of which were from open play, seven from set pieces. Um, it's a win in the cup. We're into the quarterfinal. It's hard to be too critical of that, and I think everyone's, you know, was maybe expecting it to be a little bit more comfortable, but... So it goes, we're in, and that's all that really matters. We had some comments that I think are in line with that. We had Dr. Defense at Dr. Defense said, when we've only managed two wins in the last 18 league games, I'll take these cup wins happily. Thank you very much. Plus, we confirmed that Patterson is alive, so that's nice. I agree. I mean, the the living thing is a big step in the right direction, you know, the <laughs> pulse and, and everything. Um, Dr. Theta at... TH3TA underscore one. Um, not a massive score line, but a dominant performance. 0.03 XG for Borum. Yeah, I mean, you know, Wait, 16 one shots. Thing. What? One thing. Yes. Do you call them Borum or do you call them Wood? Because I saw Ryan, you calling them Wood for sure. I, I was maybe doing that more out of humor. Okay. Um, I, th- I the, think the wood, wood is better, though. I think calling them the Wood is pretty good. Yeah, I, I I don't care. I think most likely I, I will probably never call them again. Uh, um, nothing against them. I mean, I, I no look, and I love lower league again. Yes, I know. I hate the FA Cup and I hate lower league football. Anyway, uh, and then we had Everton tweeter at tweeter Everton. I was really looking forward to a relaxed evening in front of the TV, watching some of our promising youth come on once we'd sealed the deal. Had to wait until the 85th after a lot of meh. Nevertheless, we progress. Yeah, I really, we talked about it, but like, I really wish we could have got those kids a little bit more time. I would have really liked to see Lewis Dobbin get more of an opportunity. We've seen really, I think, encouraging glimpses from him thus far. And the other kids just, it's great that they can get on for their debut, but, you know, not much you can do in terms of making an impression in like two minutes. It it was a good opportunity. It's just unfortunate. You know, today would have been a perfect opportunity for maybe Onyango to get a little bit more time in the center of the pitch because he's seen a little bit more, and that would have given Alon and Gomez, I mean, excuse me, Alon and Ducore a chance to, to rest. But then last week, we had Sean Khan at KingCon225, also a member of our Discord. He said, smart win. Frank put a healthy rotation for this game and made a great halftime adjustment going uh, 4-3-3 and pretty much controlled it from there. Uh, this potentially can help that fixture block with Watford-Newcastle now, given that the Palace game will be on the Watford day. Up the effing toffees. Heck yeah. Yeah, he's right. Point. I, I, yeah. No, I, I think it's really important. That halftime adjustment made all the difference in the world. Really, within the first five or ten minutes after halftime, we looked a lot more dangerous, and, and I agree. I mean, there was no reason to have that third center half on. I mean, if you're going to use them, 
you still got to attack with them a little bit, but I think it just helped our shape a little bit. And it added that other person in the middle of the pitch. Um, is that Gordon or Townsend's fault for not cutting inside or not moving enough? Probably not Anthony Gordon. In fact, if anything, he was almost in a free roaming role at times when we were attacking onto the right, just so it was maybe a little step off, a little, little step off here or there, but I think it was the right tactical decision. And it just goes to show you against a good organized disciplined team, even these guys, I mean, sometimes the right approach really matters. Tactics do matter to an extent, and putting people in the right position to succeed always matters, and and I think that's what you saw. Um, would we have still scored? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, it's good to see that we eased it out, finished it off. Indeed, and with that, let's go to Man of the Match shouts. I have my person in mind. I have a feeling he'll be stolen by the time this comes back to me, but we'll go to Alex for his choice. I think I've got to go with Rondon, and it's an easy one because he's got the brace, but I think I've said naturally multiple times in the episode, I liked uh, a couple of the Rondon's ideas, touches, etc., um, and his positioning as well, so. John Joe Kenny, even if he didn't pull out the Cruyff turn. I just, I mean, his production was just phenomenal. You got to give him the credit, man. I thought he was outstanding at different place in the pitch, too. Easy choice for me as well. I'm going to go, well, I actually was going Rondon, but having seen John Joe's stat line and reflecting a little longer, I'm going with the local lad, John Joe, for Man of the Match. Just really great to see him kind of get a moment in the spotlight, and deservedly so. Whether it means anything for his long-term future at the club remains to be seen, but, of course, Everton now into the quarterfinals. will travel to Selhurst Park to face Crystal Palace sometime in mid-March. Huge match, opportunity to play for uh, a trip to Wembley on the line. We'll see what happens, how fixture congestion plays out, but, of course... Obviously, hoping Everton are able to wiggle their way into the semifinals of the FA Cup would be great for the fans to be able to travel to Wembley, et cetera, et cetera. And really glad that we got a somewhat favorable draw given the teams that still remain in the competition. But before we wrap, gentlemen, any last words on this one? We, of course, look ahead to Spurs on Monday, which is a huge match and critically important for our survival hopes. Yeah, I mean, it was a good win. Obviously, um, helps confidence to some degree, even if that's just a tiny bit. It was also good, I think, to see some changes. So some guys, crucial guys, got a rest. Um, and as Ryan mentioned, I think by the fact that we had about 80% possession, hopefully that you know the guys that will still be starting again on Monday also won't be too uh, knackered. Love the usage of knackered there. Well, knackered matters, I think. I don't know if I said that right, but you understand what <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I mean, he was forced to do what he had to in the midfield, so I understand that. But I think, yeah, you control a game like that. You're not going to hopefully be too exhausted. I saw no injuries. Well, check that. We got to check on that, too. But, I mean, that's it. I mean, you play guys that you need in a cup match like this. That That is the risk you run. Um, look, we got it done. That's all that really matters. And I think, Frank, every one of these matches, he learns a little bit more about the team. And I think he learned some things tonight, probably. Well said from both of you. And I think that is an excellent point to wrap things up. Not... You know, Ryan has to jump anyway, so we'll cut this one. Thanks, everyone, very much for listening. We appreciate you all. If you could leave us a rating or review on your podcast platform of choice, would be hugely appreciated. Again, reminder to follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at USA Toffee Pod. Find all of our links in the description or go to linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. Join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. Otherwise, we're with you following the Spurs match. Until next time, up the Toffees.